Hi, this is Jackie Fry, design ops leader and part-time sociologist. And this is Allison Rand, design ops leader and cognitive neuroscientist in training. And you are listening to In Common. Woo! Um, so uh, I just, we're getting us started a little late here. Sorry. I was helping create a prioritized uh, daily tracker for my son's schoolwork. I'm so sorry. I'm a little late for this. We're, oh my God. A daily tracker. I, You're Prioritized amazing. by deadline. I was just like, I, this is what I do for a living. Of course I need to be helping you do this. Do you know how many times I've had that conversation with my older daughter? This is what I do for a living. Like, like, let me just organize this for you. And then I put together a cow, have put together a tracker for her. And like within three days, she's completely ignored it. Why don't people love trackers? I love a tracker. Yeah, I know you love a tracker. (laughs) I do have to say I did buy and every year I buy a very like it's my favorite annual purchase, a Smithson annual planner and I spend way too much money on it. And I have to say, empty. I'm pretty pissed I spent that money. (laughs) Anyway, trackers. Home ops, as you like to call it. Yeah, how's home your home ops. ops situation going? <laughs> so, are you like um, studio? Are you like studio culture home ops? Like whatever the energy, like where the wind and like creativity leads you, or is it like like oh, no. agency operations? Like you've tracked everyone's capacity and you know where like where every mm. single person thing is by the hour. Hmm? Oh gosh, no, I'm somewhere in the middle. Because I'm only trying to manage my four-year-old, who's pretty difficult to wrangle. Um, but we, I have like a, I have a day-to-day framework for how things are going to be set up from her starting in the morning. And the best part is she has to check into her quote-unquote school pre-K program at eight thirty every day because it's New York City Public School. It's like there's a question of the day, and it's like do you like cookies? And she's like, yeah, I like chocolate chips. Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, cool, you're checked in. TV time. <laughs> <laughs> Mommy's got a 9 a.m. Bye-bye. Exactly. Oh exactly. <laughs> so my um, my partner, my spouse, my husband um, was homeschooled. So oh, really? I, yeah. So I was literally like, oh, my gosh. Like, this is your moment to shine. <laughs> show us how this works and it really isn't that structured like it's so we've we've been using sort of that mindset but it's like sort of block time blocking where you like okay yeah yeah it's not like at 9 a.m this happens but it's like from like the time the sun you know is at this point in the sky (laughs) to the point where it's at a 90 degree angle you'll be working Uh. on these topics and, but you have to stand over them and make sure that they're actually working. No, on I those haven't topics. been because I've been doing my job like recently. I know. <laughs> like, I've I know. been doing opera. So I actually it's this week. I just today I was late to this because I was like, OMG, I need to be doing this. Like OMG, everybody was just that was all those emails were to me about doing this. So be, I mean, yeah, but this is real. I am feeling like a complete and total failure in every aspect Welcome of my life right now. Welcome to the party, pal. Every single aspect of my life. Well, no, I take one, I take a little bit. My relationships are actually pretty strong in my house right now, which is nice. 
even though my husband told me last night, and he probably won't want this on the podcast, that, he, he, <laughs> that he's just realizing I'm a mad person. I get mad a lot. And I was like, wait a minute. Are you just judging me based on the last four weeks? Because you've <laughs> known me for like a bajillion years and all of a sudden you're saying I'm a mad person? Yeah, I'm mad. Of course I'm mad. I'm trapped in a house. I can't do my job. I can't take care of my kids. I can barely eat. I can't get out to exercise. Yeah. You're mad. We're all mad. I don't, mm. I, uh, I go, I'm, I, I'm a little mad, but I'm also, that's, I, the sound I just made is how I am. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm definitely not a mad person, but I might be quick to anger more these days than I normally am. All right, girl. You ready to do this? Mm. Let's do it. You sound mad. Allison's, when, when's the last time you failed at something? Like, um, uh, you mean like professionally or personally? <laughs> because I, I could say it's this morning, probably for both. Right. Oh my gosh. Same. Uh, I yeah. I mean, we were recording this directly after our intro, but we were just talking about like what complete <laughs> failures we feel like, and so like it's sort of like not societally normal to talk about failures, and I don't think this isn't just like some like like woke conversation about it, but no, this is like legitimately like if mom if my mom's listening to this, she's gonna hate this episode. Oh really? She doesn't oh like yeah, not not okay. Not okay. Not you okay. don't talk about that. Not okay. Failure, no, you know, is not an option. You know, Ugh. well, yeah. And so <clears throat> I'm really glad we're talking about this. This feels like the right time to revisit our talk that we gave back in October, uh, where we talked about setting the table for dynamic change and really the conversation that we have had over and over again around the fact that people get up at conferences, or you're just, to, to your point, talking about your mom, you're just supposed to present yourself so often as a success or up. these success stories, just super buttoned up, the end results, like uh, here's the beginning and here's the end, and it was a total smashing success, and no one talks about what happens in between. I- this like massive amount of failure through all of the attempts to get it right. And it's actually through those failures that you start to find the pattern of what works. And this is what, when we first met, I think the first conversation, you're like, I really liked your talk that you did. But like, I also kind of feel like, where's the failure? Like, where are people going to be like, <laughs> when are they going to be like real, real and talk about it? Yes. And I was like, yes, I love <clears throat> you. You're so right. Yeah. Cause I totally was like up there being like, OMG, like, what are people going to think if I like tell them that like, actually like the, that boiling the ocean, like I was just crying in my car at lunch every day. <laughs> Exactly. And I had this conversation with someone yesterday, a design leader, and I was basically saying, you know, we're all going at this completely blindly. We're all winging it. We're all trying to figure it out as we go along. 
And a lot of us are doing it alone and failing throughout the entire experience. And I think it's there's so much comfort in just being super honest about that while also talking about, you know, resilience yeah. and what it takes to actually impact change and what it means for our roles to be these agents of change. Like, I don't think resiliency and just being successful all the time are actually like... They're not, they can't coexist. Like, I don't, I just win all the time and I'm so resilient. Like, no, like we, I feel like resiliency is like the skill set that everybody wants. You kind of can't coach. Uh, you really have to change your mindset to be able to, if, if you don't have it, you got to make <coughs> some big adjustments in your mindset. Uh, but it's sort of to be resilient. It's just that you've, you've been able to roll with the punches, right? And Right. Absolutely. And there is a balance between grit and resilience, I think, because the grit allows you to just kind of keep charging, keep going, keep charging and being like, yeah, yeah, whatever. I can just do this. I'd have the grit that what it takes to just like charge through. But the resilience is kind of the softer side of the of of what it means to, you know, to bounce back what it actually means to to bounce back from a failure and to learn and to grow and to have the self-awareness to know that you need to change. Sometimes I feel like we both had to be on these task force that were like, let's bring empathy and human and customer centricity and human centeredness to the way we make products, you know? And like, we all are going to approach that from different ways. But like when we talk about change, like for you and in your experience with change and failure and growth, like what what does dynamic change really you know, mean for you? And what mm. I, I think you've talked about it. It's like it's mm-hmm. EQ, it's recognizing, but like what, is it, what does it actually take to, to change something? It's a good question because dynamic change means just in the word dynamic, it means that it's something that is that is uh, living and absorbed, and there's so much more to it than just change itself. Uh, and I think so much of it is about understanding mm-hmm. the why that we're making the changes that we need to make. Mm-hmm. Like, what are the trade-offs? What problems are we trying to solve? And really thinking about how you're setting that environment for the change to be received, right? Um, And how those people around you that you're setting that stage for can help inform the process. And really any change is is probably systemic change. You're changing something in the system, you're changing, you're going to be changing the system. It's kind of like when I want to like, I will like start exercising and then that exercise will like make me think like, oh, maybe I want to like, maybe cut back on that extra glass of wine I have at night slash bottle. Or like, <laughs> like maybe I won't eat this for breakfast, or like, right? And then the second, and then I'm like, yeah. let me take a day off or yeah. whatever. And then like old habits, don't die so fast. Yeah, yeah. Self, and, right. right. Like, Hashtag oh, self care. Let me get this break, and then <laughs> and then I go right back to the old way because I was in a system. I had I have a I habit know. is in some way like a behavior system, and and so we're not only affecting sort of uh, like industrialized process and systems. Like how do we make stuff? Like we're impacting how people 
look at their own habits and behaviors. And, and, and so we're not only impacting one system to do good change, you're impacting multiple layers of systems. And too often, I think we, we plot change and promise outcomes that are only going to deliver on one of those and not truly thinking about, like, I love how you use the word dynamic, like the specialized change that is needed for that outcome to truly happen at a multi multi-layer sort of approach. Mm-hmm. I don't know if any of those words made sense, but they all made sense in my head right before I set them all. <laughs> I think they duh? made sense. Like, I think they made sense. And and I think that they, no, it's definitely not duh, but uh, I think that the complicated work that this is, is the oh, so system hard. rewiring because it's so hard. And sometimes I feel like, uh, what I love about our conversations is that we're both like, yes, yes. Oh, my God. Yes. And then sometimes I'm like, oh, my no, gosh, are we overcomplicating I get that all the time. This is but, plug. Sorry, I get that all the time. It makes me so mad. People are like, I think we're over-engineering this. You're like, we're dealing with humans. Right. But it's important. We are dealing with humans. But it is important, I feel like, as a, as a, as a other, and a, an, an, the other takeaway is that we are dealing with humans we need to yes. to move thoughtfully right but we also need to prove the value of the work oh my gosh on a regular basis you know what i'm saying because it's like it's like it's like your 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 uh, <laughs> trackers or your your program framework your crawl walk run, run framework like all of that stuff it's like if you're not actually oh, right. proving value then it doesn't no. matter how big you're thinking. If you're not being able to do um, those things at the same time. Is like, someone would be like, let's change this. And I'll, I'll sit back and listen. Are you sure you pull those levers and that change might happen? That you might get the outcome you want? Or you might get this outcome, but you're going to create two or three other issues that pop up. You know, it's just, it's just systems thinking. Mm-hmm. Systems thinking, I feel like, is gonna. Mm-hmm. I think if more of us have that systems thinking mindset, I think we would be. Give me a nickel for every time I say systems thinking. Basically, at this point, if I had a nickel <laughs> for every time I use systems thinking I think... in my day to day. Now, now you don't systems, say scale systems anymore. Systems it's just systems thinking. Just scale that <laughs> systems know, thinking. I hate myself. <laughs> I JK, I love myself. Um, and that's generally like I see people who like leave a comment on our podcast or listen and there are a lot of people doing this type of work whether they're design leaders doing operations or they are in the design ops practice but I think we we often say like design ops is like one of the major skills you can have is systems thinking is like on the on you know other sort of non-tangible skills um are our emotional intelligence right and and empathy and things like that but like Mm -hmm. design ops Mm -hmm. like uh, most of our job is change management how how does that work for you every day Mm -hmm. well how it works for me every day is really thinking about that table again all the people that need to be at the table and involved in the conversation and all of the relationships that I need to be building. I think about this often because I have worked remotely 
for so long for the last two years but now especially it's much more salient for everybody is this role is very relational so how do you build relationships in space (laughs) and um you can't do it until you have these kind of you have real partners you have real advocacy and you have a real understanding for the change that you're trying to implement and as you're doing it you're really thinking about you know, approaching people with that tactical empathy. So understanding how this change is going to impact them, understanding when there's pushback, you know, what are their underlying motivations that are causing them to really have an averse reaction to the change that you're trying to make. Um, and, and, And that tactical empathy is critically important because it informs the work. And without having that and without doing that type of work again, it's just, you're just going to have continued oh, and I have, oh, that, organ rejection. Experienced it. I have been that fool before. I've been the fool that's like, <laughs> oh, I'm organ rejecting this. And then being like, mm, actually, no, I'll accept this. It was just, I was, it was after five <laughs> when I heard this and I was in my best place. Or I've been like pushing something for somebody yep. uh, so many times where yeah, like I was just like, why aren't we just do it? Just accept it. And they're like, no, this is not, this makes no sense. Why would we do this? Right. So, um, yeah, I, I also think like design ops, we all do sort of program. We, we apply a lot of program management. Like I, I was at the last design ops summit. Someone said like, no one told a program manager that their job was basically to optimize themselves out of a job. Like a lot of programs are just programs that are implementing change over time and a program can get sort of uh indoctrinated into a culture into a system and these programs are meant to do that type of work so sometimes programs are just put into place to create the change and once that change is done where's the next where's the next change that we have to do so it's a little bit of like design ops we're change agents we're here we're here like we're here to welcome the change and help people through it day to day like right right and a lot of it is that (laughs) rinse wash repeat but uh, <laughs> also, mm-hmm. we don't know what the future yeah. of this is. There's no clear path that's been no. mapped out. I mean, I know you have a path mapped out <laughs> I mean, for where it's, you are. It's an abstracted <laughs> path, okay? There could be some outliers. Right, but even myself, as I'm, as I, as I'm working through the thinking of where I want to go and um, have veered like a sharp right away from an MBA. I don't know what my next real place of growth would be because it's not there yet. We have to map it out, right? So if we're if we're changing the system and we're becoming part of the conversation, what does the next step mean? So it's all like, you know, we might be optimizing the ourselves out of system. a job, quote unquote, but I do believe that the next, the, the current system, but then there is change like in conversations that we've had with Bob Baxley Human around cultural design. Operation. And I, I think yes. society centered design, all of, yes, all of that stuff. Um, I think that we have an, uh, a very exciting opportunity to actually design so if we what had to give it could be. Takeaways to our listeners and you had to go like if you are doing like if someone says, hey, hey, Allison, I'd like I would like for you to implement Jeez. this initiative. X, Y, Z. I'd like an update in six weeks. <laughs> 
P.S. The update. <laughs> I don't know how many people are on board with. You know, like you're basically you got to go do some yeah, change management. Right. You got to go do some moving. You know, pushing over apple carts, writing, right sizing apple carts. If you were asked to go do this, what are the core principles that you apply to change management? How the, how you would do this type of work? Teach me, Allison. I need some of those tools tools in my tool set. Ah, me. give me your principles right now. I mean, principles. I kind of do, but yeah, the principles. Just say, come on, tell me. So, yeah. All right. So, so you don't you don't invite group. twenty people to a meeting for a kickoff. <laughs> you do not invite twenty people to a kickoff. Um, I think, yeah. Definitely a big mistake is coming in super hot. So you need to build a kind of small advisory council when you're trying to implement these types of things. And it should be a cross-functional advisory council. Who are the people that you really need involved in not just the decision making, but as advocates for scaling this? Like who is it going to impact? Yeah. Who is it going to impact? And and they need to help design it. it with you. Second would be, oh, well, you should really, once you have it kind of defined, um, you have to start to roadshow it. So that's the kind of um, sharing that idea. We've talked about this with the advertising seven term of effective frequency, which is <laughs> like So So just keep saying the same thing over and over again and figure out the ways that you have to share it. Um, you have to make a video. You have to have one-on-one conversations. You have to have big all-hands conversations. Whatever it is, you have to share the idea, interact with the people it will impact, and kind of target the message over and over and over again. So I feel like those are two of the most important things. And in some ways, um, within the ask, the bigger, if it's a bigger ask, you should probably, again, understand the signal to noise and figure out like what would be the lowest hanging fruit piece that you can get some, build some momentum with, if you can kind of roll that out faster and because prove a success. Because we're humans and our brains like success, we're fed by, we're motivated by that, aren't we? Yeah. Well, our businesses like success, but yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because they're made of humans, but also money. <laughs> We're showing part of the outcome, but like, also, have you ever been on a project where someone's like, all right, so yeah, this seems to be going well. Can you just jump off this now, hand that over to what's their face, and then you can go on to this next initiative that does uh, A, B, C. Thanks for doing that X, Y, Z. Build the lever on the Z, but come on. Thanks. So what do you do in like, I think you call it like surviving victory. Like, it ain't over till it's over. Like, stay the course be focused and we don't always have the luxury of being able to say like yes. I don't think I can do that but like also making sure like you know what like success is uh it's not just like a few quick wins it, it is that but there's also you know it's like iterative product um design product um creation that productization right like you're it's iterative it's Game of inches. Right. It's a game of inches. It is just a given. And and oftentimes, to your point, you're not going to have the luxury of like your boss is telling you you need to move on to another project or another program or whatever. Um, but I think it's important 
to uh, to help people recognize that it is a game of inches. And if you're trying to roll out something big, uh, there's going to be phases. Again, your Ooh, crawl, I love it. walk, I love run that framework. framework. <laughs> Uh, there are just going to be these phases and you could say like, I could leave this right now and I guess we could be satisfied with the way it is and someone else can take it and run with it if like they feel committed to that understanding what the longer term goal is. But it also, mm-hmm. and I mean, that's program management. So sometimes, sometimes you really do have to, yeah, and sometimes it's not relinquish to control. It's right. intentionally left at a crawl stage. That's true. It was only that's meant true. To so far. And we have a vision for run. That oh is my gosh, true. That person. But I wanted to run. No, it just needs to. Crawl. I needed to run, baby, for a second. That that Lana. Oh, it's coming at me. <laughs> but so much of, a, of so much of that is is oh, is yes. really around prioritization too, right? And like organ and organizational vision and the roadmap and how their prior how your work is being prioritized. So I feel like it's. You, we could have one potential answer, but there really are so many answers because it's just not a one-size-fits-all model. And it's, it's incredibly dynamic. Well, all that said and done, you get through shit. You've talked about tactical empathy, but it ain't over till it's over. But for those people who are going through it, like going through this change, like a lot of times we're plotting change. Sometimes change is happening to us. Um you got, we got to sort of recognize that we're humans having human experiences, right? Like, have you seen that successfully? Mm-hmm. Like, it's, it's a, you don't stop at every time you hear someone resisting the change, but you're, you're thoughtful, right? Yeah. And I believe that it's, it's hard because everybody goes through phases in their life and failure, going back to failure, you just learn so much from failing, even though it's incredibly painful and you pick yourself back up. And uh, I have this lovely card at my desk that was given to me by John Maeda. He actually handmade the first one and then he sent me a second one. <laughs> um that is basically like after the rain comes the rainbow, which was really, really sweet. And it was based on a funny um, SNL skit. But uh, it's true because you learn so much from failing and you learn, I think, even more, the most, most of all about um, how to relate with other people and how to understand how to relate with other people in ways that will help to you if this is what you're driving towards be a better leader and lead people through change um and so a lot of it is grounded in like your personal experience and and a lot of pain and growth but also again just so much listening real listening is incredibly undervalued skill um and so what i heard empathy. you say this is me practicing listening to what i heard you say because it really takes a lot of deep empathy <laughs> listening be thoughtful yes i love it i love it yes. it makes me think of uh one of my favorite stories uh sort of the the role of the lotus the story of the lotus that it has to it blooms sort of in ponds and mu- muddy water right and it and it grows has to grow through the mud in order to bloom so it's this you know you're gonna you gotta fail in order mm. to become to become great uh says 
every athletic story of all time. But um, I love this talk. You, you and I could talk about change all the time. Yeah. Let's let's talk more about change. It's, I it's know. so good. And it's so good to be talking about something a little bit different than the other topics, too, or to be commiserating on home home ops during this time. So I, I don't think I tell you enough, Allison, but thank you so much. <gasps> thank you, too, you- Jackie. These sessions life, our life. are cathartic. So do you have any uh, recommendations our life. For, for us this week? I do actually have a recommendation. I am nerding out once again on the book Behave, The Biology of Humans at Our Best and Worst by Robert Sapolsky. So anybody who's interested in behavioral neuroscience or cognitive neuroscience, behavioral psychology, um, there is just, I mean, it is thick, but it is thick with richness. And so um, I think it's really helpful when you're thinking about how to approach humans from a human perspective. If you want more from me, Allison Rand. And me, Jackie Fry go to InCommon.Design. Alrighty, that's our show. Ciao. Talk soon. Bye. Bye.